0: privilege to preach to this church. You know, there's, there's, there's many types of churches out there, but this is unique, and um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be a part of this church. Luke chapter 2. And it's a privilege to preach on the 18th of December. That's what today is. And with the theme of Christmas. I mean, what, what great privilege that is. So Luke chapter 2 and we'll just read it first Luke chapter 2 and verse 25 The Bible says this And behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the holy ghost was upon him and it was revealed unto him by the holy ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ and he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, they took then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all thy people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through his own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for for being so good. And we thank you for this special time of year. And Lord, we want to just get rid of all the confusion, the distractions, and just focus on the Christ child, on that blessed baby Jesus, and what what his life became. And we thank you, Lord, like it has been said tonight, that he was born to die. That was his whole purpose. What a, what a life that was totally selfless. And I thank you, Lord, for, for a life like that. For a, so much above us, Lord. I pray now you give us liberty as I pr- try to preach. And we thank you for this church. I pray you keep it strong. I pray you keep the enemy out. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' loving name. Amen. Wonderful, thank you. What did Simeon see in Luke chapter two, verse twenty-five to thirty-five? Well, Simeon was an old man. The Bible says, and he was an Old Testament saint. He um, he was he was an Old Testament saint. And what he saw was very, very special. Could you imagine holding the Christ child in your arms, looking into his eyes, looking into that little helpless little baby and realizing that was the salvation. That was the only salvation this world would ever know. See, Christmas is very, very celebration. What we celebrate at Christmas is none other than the greatest event in world history. We even put our calendars 80 BC. There's a reason for that. If you could imagine, if you could imagine being alive in Old Testament times before the event, imagine, if you could, what it was like. Uh, when we look at the perspective of the Old Testament saints, we see so how incredible the event was there's many scriptures in the old testament there's isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 there's let me show you isaiah 9 6 isaiah 9 6 you know we um as a church memorized this verse last year and you know i saw something in it that i never saw before i've been saved 20 25 years almost i never saw it isn't that amazing it's amazing what the word is. Let me show you what I saw. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, you know, you, you read it. And it says, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So you read it fast, you don't take much notice of it. But if you, if you focus on what it says, it says, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful You see that? There's a comma there. It's not just wonderful counselor. His name is wonderful. I never saw that before. You know, it's amazing. This is none other than God becoming flesh. God manifest in the flesh. Take your Bible, go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. You know, Paul, in his writing, wrote, and sometimes... It's hard to express something into words. But Paul attempted to do that. Just like that verse in the Bible says uh, that a word fitly spoken is like apple of gold and pitcher of silver. It's kind of words will fail you. But when you come to the understanding of who this precious child was, we go to 1 Timothy dangerous to, to, to do too, too many things at one time i'm thinking i'm trying to so i'm um, so in excuse me first timothy chapter 3 verse 16 the bible says this A without controversy great is the mystery of godliness god was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto Gentiles, believed in the word, received up into glory. You see the whole cycle of his life, all the way from the cradle to the cross. You see all the way beyond the cross where he was, where he was raised up into glory all over again. You see, words will fail you. Now, this was no other than God becoming flesh. This was the hope of all the Old Testament saints. And Simeon was one of these particular individuals. There's one person in Luke chapter 2. There's one named Simeon and one Anna the prophetess. But we're going to focus on Simeon tonight. Notice what kind of man he was. Back to Luke chapter 2 again. Luke chapter 2. And the Bible says in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was a just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. This man in character. He was just and devout. He was a patient man. He believed the promises of God. I hope you believe the promises of God this night. I hope there's personal promises that you believe, that you don't just believe for the sake of them being there, God has spoken them to you. There are certain promises that I hold to that book. God has said, this promise is for you. You need to hold to it. He was led by the Spirit, the Bible says in verse 25. And then it says over in verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be led by the Holy Spirit? I mean, truly. See, we can only see, true, uh, we can only see so much in the written Word of God. You need the Holy Spirit to enlighten you. You need the Holy Spirit. Let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Notice what it says about understanding God, who God is. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. See, the Holy, you need to draw close to the Holy Spirit. As you read this spiritual book, you need to have a relationship, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit where you can interpret his words. Because many people sincerely believe certain things, and they're sincerely wrong. So you've got to be careful, don't you? Uh, the best approach to that book is a humble approach, a soft approach, a humble approach to God's words. I've seen very very sincere Christians, and they're all messed up in so many different areas, and they can't see it themselves. you got to realize that's a spiritual book. He knew that day something special was to happen. He was led in the temple. He knew something special was about to happen. There was Mary and Joseph, the little child. He was probably about 40 days old, the baby Jesus. Uh, he was being presented in the temple for the, as the firstborn, according to, it says over that in Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, it talks about the, the presentation. Now, once you get the picture. Uh, Simeon would have been an old man. He would have been frail with a long life of waiting. Strong in faith as a devout Old Testament saint. And you know, it's amazing. The Pharisees, the religious, all the, the learning of Scripture, they missed it. But Simeon saw it because he was humble. And you know, it doesn't even say he was a priest. It just says he was an old man, Simeon, and he was in the temple and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was saying, there must be in my day, there must be something that will happen in this life. He was waiting for it, amen? I think God, I think God honors that. Jesus would have been a helpless little baby. You've got to get the picture. Probably about six weeks, I said, outwardly dressed in simple clothing. Listen, there was no halo around his head. There was no outward sign. Uh, There was no star that followed him. Uh, There was no outward sign. There was no special ceremony for that baby. Everything looked completely normal. But then Simeon did something out of the normal. We read in verse 28 of Luke chapter 2. Then took he him, Simeon, in his arms and blessed God, and said, "Thy servant." And said, uh, "Arms and blessed him, Lord. Now let us thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation." What a moment in the temple! You know, he knew by the Holy Spirit this was the Messiah. That little baby, that little baby was the Savior of the world. He knew it because the Holy Spirit bear witness. One amazing thing. Let me show you a few things about what Simeon saw tonight. He saw his own salvation, verse thirty. The Bible says in verse thirty, From mine eyes have seen thy salvation. One amazing thing for this old man to have the privilege of holding the Christ child. You see, that's that's something that is very, very unique. Uh, this was something personal for Simeon. It needs to be personal for you and I. You know, it's tragic, Well, a lot of people go through Christmas and they, they glance at, they, at the, uh, the crib and the things like that, but they never make it personal. You know, we as Christians, we're supposed to make it personal where we know 100%, not 99%, but we know 100% that we are going to heaven, that we're saved, we've been born again, trust Jesus our Savior. It's personal to us, isn't it? That, that little baby in the manger is personal to us. And listen, all the distractions around it. I call Santa Claus the, the, big, the big fat guy. Uh, you know, all the distractions around it, they just have to be peeled away and see the Christ child, what he really is. You know what Satan is good at doing? Putting all distractions in there. Putting all the confusion, all the different things. When you see the Christ child in the manger, it needs to become personal to us. I mean, it needs to be personal. Uh, it is a special moment. This world celebrates Christmas, but they really don't understand the full meaning of it. Uh, it's like you have to pull all the distractions away, and the real meaning comes forth. Santa Claus, the commercial aspect, I mean, they know how to make money. This time of December is a time where they can make their money. Retailers, and the push, there's a big push to make as much. The worries that enter people's minds the loneliness and depression in many lives, uh, the stress that comes from all the above. I mean, that's just the normal Christmas, the stress, the, you know, the financial struggles, all those different things. That just seems to be all upon your mind and heart. But then you forget about the simple thing, that that little baby was the, your savior. is your savior. He's the savior of the world, but he's my savior. It happened to me on the 2nd of October, 1992, listen you don't need to know a time and date but you should there should be a time where you once were lost and now you've been found amen there should be a a time frame where at least you can say this is the time where i trusted jesus my savior and i'm different because of that i'm different it's so sad because many people will say to me that i think i'm saved i think i am Uh, at least uh People around me have told me that I'm sage, but they don't, they don't know for sure. Tragic. You already know for sure, 100%. He saw his own salvation. He saw God's prepared plan. The Bible says in verse 31, Which thou hast prepared before the face of all thy people, a light to like the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. See, he saw God's Unfolding plan, God's prepared plan. Simeon, who, who I believe he wasn't even a priest, he was, it was the only way. It was the only way. And, you know, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but there was no other way. You know, God could have sent Michael the archangel to wipe Adam and Eve out and begin all over, but he didn't. Because, you know, God, that's not. God's character is perfect. And God is always long suffering. He could have sent a legion of angels to conquer, but he didn't. He didn't. Let me show you Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. When Jesus was faced with those soldiers that came to take him. He revealed a little bit of his power that he had. Bible says in Matthew 26, verse 52, Then Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place, and all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. That's a lot of angels. A legion was a small army. So that's a lot of angels. In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 22, one angel of law, or the angel, doesn't say if it's the angel of the Lord, I don't believe, but one angel uh, on one night destroyed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers uh, in when Hezekiah was, was, was surrounded. So one angel is powerful. Think of 12 legions of angels. That is power. Jesus had all power was given to him, but he didn't use it. That, that is a listen that 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 is something of incredible uh, strength, inner uh, strength, virtue to, to be able to do that, because he could have, but he didn't, because his whole mission was to go to that cross, to die for the sins of this whole world. that was his whole mission. his mission was to go to the cross, he could have sent the highest angelic being, but it wouldn't suffice because you know what the blood had to be spilt. Amen? There is no redemption without the blood. It was the blood of Jesus Christ, the death but the blood. So it couldn't have been an angelic being that, w- that could have uh, saved mankind. Uh, it had to be God's only begotten son the sacrifice for the sins of this world. You know, when you look at Genesis chapter 22 and you see Abraham ready to split the throat of Isaac, and you, you, you get what it must be like for Abraham to come and to in the life of his only son. And then God steps in, and God shows up, and God says, Abraham, Abraham, don't hurt your son. And then God says, well, the, the whole picture of, of Isaiah, of uh, Abraham and Isaac, is you, you might see Abraham going to the edge and almost splitting the throat of Isaac, but then God does and carries it on and does the rest. You see that, how God sacrificed his only son. A little baby. A little baby was God's miraculous plan before this world began. A plan for Israel. Amen. Let me show you Matthew chapter 10. You know, God has still a plan for Israel. Amen. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5 and 6. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the city of Samaria, uh, enter not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then you go to Genesis or Matthew chapter 12, you will see a time where the disciples went out, They they, they were empowered to be apostles, and they preached the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then in Matthew chapter 12, it changes, because The Jews reject him. It says there, uh, when Jesus does a miracle, in verses 13 and 14 of Matthew 12, then said, He to the man "Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. Then in verse 18 it says, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. You see the change? It goes from the Israel to the the Gentiles to the church age. We're all Gentiles here, by the way. A plan for Israel. He knew the Jews would reject. Blindness for a time for Israel. But only for a time, amen? Let me show you uh, Isaiah chapter 55. I love the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament... There's such nuggets of truth that fit in perfectly with the doctrines that you learn from the New Testament. Isaiah 53 or 54. Little verse, Isaiah 54 verse 7. 54 verse 7. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. Now, that's talking about Israel. That's talking about the regathering of Israel one day for a, a small moment. That small moment is a church age. But this church age will come to an end, and God has a perfect plan for his own people Israel one, one day. And Isaiah uh, 54, verse 17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and the, trans- the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. God will protect his people. Amen. I heard recently, uh, I, I don't have access, well, I have access to my wife's Facebook, but I, I uh, don't have Facebook, but I, I came across this uh, this huge, or this thing on, my, on Eileen's uh, Facebook. It talked, something that I think the Lily sent her, but it talked about, only a few weeks ago, I, um, Israel was being attacked. I, I, ISIS was attacking Israel. And all you see in, in the video clip is a cloud in the border, this mysterious cloud coming down. And the, the Israeli soldiers take, holding up their cameras, taking pictures of it. And ISIS, uh, ISIS was attacking them at the same time. But ISIS was, was, was hindered from attacking them Because God brought down this mysterious cloud. See, they're they're God's people. And you know, the more you look into church or into history, the 1967 war and things like that, you will see that God is always protecting them. Because God always protects his people. Amen? A plan for the Gentiles. That's you and I. Amen? We live in this thing called the church age, but God has a plan for the Gentiles. It's Uh, The offer of salvation is whosoever will. Let me show you Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. You know, you can search this Bible. There's no Calvinistic uh, doctrines in this Bible. Do you understand that? It's not there. Uh, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. And for those who might not understand about Calvinism... It's not for the elect. It's for whosoever will. Amen? For every creature. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for every single human being. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that hear it say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Free offer of salvation to whosoever will. And there's no works involved. Amen? There's no work. Listen, when God tells a sinner to repent, it's God's mercy that he allows that person to repent. It's not a work, amen? It's not a work. Salvation is a free gift. God had a perfect plan. A perfect plan for Israel and a perfect plan for us. Blindness in part, but God's ways are always working out. A plan for the Gentiles to give a light to everyone that comes into this world. You know, even... Let me show you a, first, a John, Gospel of John. You know, even the atheists, even the evolutionists, even those that are against God this night, they should be grateful for Christmas. Because the Bible says in the Gospel of John 1.9, talking about Jesus, he said, that was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. You see that? that? That applies to everyone. That's not just for the saved. That's for every human being. God has given human beings light. That's why, listen, I don't believe that a human being is totally depraved. That's the first, uh, that's the first um, if, you, if you know Calvinism, the, 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 uh, the tulip is total depravity. I don't believe in total depravity. I believe we're very depraved, but we're not totally depraved. Because, listen, listen. Uh, God has given light even to the atheists, even to those that are against them. This night, God has given them a little bit of light, all because of that, all because of that baby in the manger—an offer of salvation to whosoever will. He gave mankind a moral compass to offer light their lives. He gave them opportunity to come to the light. He gave them the truth. He gave them the complete word of God. So there is light out there to anyone who wants to receive it. He saw God's prepared plan. Let me give you a few more. He saw God's suffering servant. Let's go back again to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 in verse 34, the Bible says this. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Notice the prophecy here. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising in of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. See, it wasn't. It wasn't just Jesus the Messiah, the king who would reign. There was something that he would have to go through first. And Simeon Uh, by the Holy Spirit, knew that it wasn't going to be plain sailing for this little child. Uh, The Old Testament Jews wasn't clear, or the Old Testament Jews weren't clear about the Messiah. Uh, There was many different teachings about the Messiah, you will find. There was different things that they taught. About the time that Jesus was born, the Jews believed that they were God's chosen people. They believed there were God's chosen people. There were God's chosen. They are God's chosen people. They believed that the Messiah was to be a great warrior like David. But listen, they believed that some great victor would would lead them into victory over the iron grip of Rome. They believed that the Messiah was coming to rule and reign as king in the earth with them as the chosen people. That's what they believed. But. Some dared to believe that God himself would break directly into history, history by supernatural means. They looked at prophecies like Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9:6, and different prophecies like that. And they, they were... They, some dared to believe that the Messiah was, was, was going to be come amongst them. Because of Emmanuel, remember that scripture over there in Isaiah? But listen, very few believed that he was to be the suffering savior. Very few people believed that. Very, very few Jews believed Back in the Old Testament believed it, and very few Jews they, they look at Isaiah chapter 53 and they don't know what to do with it. It's like, where does that fit in? That doesn't fit into our plan. And the reason is is because we somehow have this idea that God will do or the Savior will do something, but there's 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 a lot in there that can lead to confusion. Isaiah fifty three says he was despised and rejected. Of men, a man of sorrow is acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces with uh, from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. You see, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you search the scriptures, you think you know them, but you err. So you got to be careful. You know what? Uh, it's amazing. Let me show you uh, Luke chapter 2, like, Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, we have a prophecy of... of Luke chapter 4 and verse 21, if I can find it. Yes, 21. This is Jesus when he comes to the temple. He reads the scripture. And it says in verse 21, And he began to say unto them, This day in this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And the scripture before that was verse 19 and 20, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, Sorry. Verse 18, it begins. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovery the sight to the blind, to set liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he finished to that one point. But if we go back to the prophecy in Isaiah, in Isaiah 61. And this is how, this is why. We can't rely totally on our own ability to understand scripture. You've got to draw close to the Holy Spirit of God. Isaiah 61 says, this is what Jesus is quoting from. And it says in verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and because the Lord anointed me to preach the gospel of tidings unto that meek, he has sent me to bind up the Brokenhearted to pr- proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and there's a comma right there. And then it says, the last part says, and the day of vengeance, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. In that one verse, you have the first coming and you have the second coming, separated by a comma. You've got to be careful. Uh, that you don't, that that you don't get too confident in your ability to interpret Scripture, because what you need is the humility and the softness to realize that God needs to show you, God needs to show you. Because if the, I, I don't blame these Jews for getting it wrong in the Old Testament, because I see how the way Scripture is written, it's written for that, like it's written that way for a reason. God wants to try our hearts. In fact, they looked at Isaiah with confusion. Let me show you one last thing. He saw the only hope for for this world. Back to Luke chapter 2 again. Luke chapter 2. He saw the only hope for this world. The Bible says in verse 35, yes, yes. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. See, uh, you know, it's, God is able to put that scripture there to show us that every man has to decide what they, they want to do with the Messiah, what they want to do with Jesus. See, you can't, ha- you can't be neutral. You can't sit on the fence. You've got to either be for him or against him. There's no, there's no two ways. He saw the only hope for this world. That little baby in the manger was the beginning of God's unfolding plan. The next thing you see, he's in the temple. And it says he waxed strong in spirit. And then in the temple, he says to uh, Mary and jo- Joseph are there. And they're worried because he's 12 years of age. He's in the temple. And he's, he's, he's carrying on conversations with, with those people in the temple about doctrines and they're astonished with him. And they realize that this is no normal individual. At the age of 30, his ministry begins for three and a half years. He, he, he later uh, finishes with the horrible death on the cross. All the way. Yet the death of the cross was only the beginning. You know, uh, when we say it is finished, and it is finished, but it really is the beginning. Amen? I mean, think about it. When Jesus is on that cross, stretched out, he says, it is finished. The second last thing he said on that cross, it really was the beginning. From there on, he would be resurrected. John chapter 12, if he could. Jesus was in control all the way. John chapter 12 and verse 27. The Bible says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. It was God's perfect plan. It was. It. Jesus was right on schedule all the way. He came to that cross. He is still the only hope for this for mankind. You know, it's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not any name you can put out there. It's Jesus Christ. There's no other name given amongst men whereby men must be saved jesus said i am the way the truth and life no man comes the father but by me salvation is only one person it's not in a religion it's in a person a person who died for you and you need to know for sure 100 percent that you've trusted him you've turned and trusted him as your savior without that incarnation this world uh there would be no hope you know uh it's funny they they put up the notice for the, the Christmas party at work. I, I don't go to that, but but they put up the. Uh, but I did get a chuckle when I saw it up there because you know what it said. It said Christmas party on the seventeenth of December and so forth. And then it said uh, eat, drink and be merry. I remember thinking that's the King James Bible there. <laughs> They're quoting the King James Bible, and they, they don't, they, it's just like the devil because they, they don't they don't finish it. For tomorrow you die. For tomorrow you die. Uh, without the incarnation, this world is doomed. You know, uh, without the manger, there would be no Calvary. Think about that for a second. That little baby, that little baby that changed the whole course of this world. And yet he did it. he, he was only motivated by love. You know, when when you you know when you get um, when you get confused being a Christian. When you get mistreated as being a Christian, just realize Jesus would never mistreat you. Uh, When you get low, and you will get low, because Christianity is not easy, it's not easy. When you get to the point where you're on your face and you you feel like quitting and you feel like, I can't can't go, I I can't continue on, just realize Jesus' whole pure motive was love. He loved you all the way to the end when he fell on his knees and he was there and he was sweating great drops of blood he loved you and he got up and when he went to that cross every ounce of his strength was there because he loved you he was motivated by love no greater love had no man to lay down his life for his friends he did it for you and for me and when you realize a love of calvary that the apostle paul said the love of christ compelleth me it moves me on i can't stay still i gotta do something for him without the manger there could be no calvary without calvary we would have no resurrection we would be doomed we would be doomed we would be finished but thank god for that precious gift let me give you a conclusion What did Simeon see? Well, he saw the only Savior this world will ever know. When he held that little baby in his arms, uh, a six-week-year-old baby, he saw the Savior of the world. He was privileged to see the Savior. He was privileged to be blessed with such an honor. Yet we can have the same privilege this Christmas. You know, uh, I know there's a lot of confusion. I know there's a lot of things that will happen in all the different uh, things that happen in this life. But just, just make it simple. Just simplify it. Just take away all the distractions. Take away all the different things. And just focus on that precious gift. That little baby that grew up to be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of this world. Our own salvation. What can we see in that manger? Well, I hope we can see our own salvation. You know, you need to see it 100%. I mean, honestly, if, the, if I was 1% short of the 19, if I had 99% and I was 1% unsure of my salvation, I would get on my knees and cry to God. I would. But I am 100% of my salvation. It's not based on me. It's based on him who loved me and gave himself from me. It's based on the savior of this world. It's nothing to do with me he is the foundation, he's the rock, he is uh, the foundation that was laid, I'm just building upon it. God's prepared plan. Simeon saw more than all the Pharisees and religious people, he saw more in that faithful life of living for him. He saw more. Yet he saw the suffering Messiah. He knew that it wasn't always going to be, he wasn't just going to be king, that he was going to suffer. Uh, he he may have not understood all of the different uh, details of that suffering in Isaiah 53 and all that, but he knew that it wasn't going to be uh, an a, a easy journey. The only hope for mankind. You know, I hope when you, when you this Christmas, uh, when all the car, when all the singing and everything is all the festive cheer is all over, I hope you realize that that, that precious baby changed the whole course of this world. God gave everything. He couldn't give anymore. I mean, he couldn't give. He gave everything. He gave that thing that was most precious to him, his son. And, and that, that son was not just, you know, uh, I have four kids. I, I will, well, I will not say, but I have four kids. I mean, to, to get rid of the one, them wouldn't be too bad. But, <laughs> but God had only one son one son, one precious son, and that's precious. Shouldn't we give something back as well? You know, do you know the blessing that, that, that's in Christmas? It's when you give. It really is. It's not the, it's not the receiving, it's the giving, because there's something about the blessing of just being a giver. Just give, uh, you know, uh, just, just do something just for Jesus this Christmas. Visit someone, maybe you hadn't visited in a long time. Maybe vi- visit someone that's lonely and uh, just going through a rough time. Just do something for Jesus. Simeon had no regrets at the end of a long life, and listen, neither should we. Neither should we when we live for Him enough for this world. You know, this world and all that it is 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 uh, empty, vanity, vexation of spirit. That's all it is. But when you live for Jesus Christ, it's a whole new meaning. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Father, we thank you so much for being so good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus dying on that old, old cross. And that little baby being in the manger. What a, what a precious gift you gave us. And Lord, it is, it is the unspeakable gift. It's love personified. All the way to the cross. I think of that life. That perfect, unblemished life. The lamb without spot and without blemish. What a savior. What a name. Wonderful is all you are, Lord. You're the wonderful counselor, everlasting father, the prince of peace. I hope everyone in this room knows you as savior, knows you as their savior 100%. And God, I pray, if there's anyone here with a hardened heart, God, you'd soften it. Show them their needs of drawing close to the only love, the lover the lover of their soul. We ask this in Jesus' loving name. Amen.